You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, what if you could become the richest person in human history instantaneously? Well, for a 56-year-old Philadelphia man, this dream became his reality, but only for about two minutes. We've all wasted money on something. Usually, though, it's a small thing. A meal we didn't need or a shirt that we never wore. You know, it's usually not very expensive. I don't know, like spending millions of dollars on a non-fungible token? Almost everyone is at least somewhat familiar with the character Super Mario. But where did the likeness for the character come from? We'll explore the unlikely inspiration for the most recognizable game character in the world. It's a me! <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. So Dave, last week uh, in California, a winning Powerball lottery ticket was sold. And the winner, who I believe is remaining anonymous, probably the right decision, <laughs> let's be honest, uh, yeah. raked in a cool $1.08 billion. Now, obviously, a lot of that will be taxed away, but the person has a, chosen to accept all of this money in one large lump sum of something to the tune of probably half a billion dollars or so. So let's put yourself in that position. You win this ticket. I mean, you've won. You're, you're gifted this life-changing amount of money. Uh, how are you going to spend it? What are you going to go out and do with it? Well, I'm actually going to take this in a different direction because I'm not sure that I'd be able to know that I won. Uh, a couple months ago, my friend Jay, not you, different Jay, uh, came to visit me and he brought some scratch-offs for he and I to do. Like He just thought it'd be funny because we never play scratch-off tickets. And they're complicated. <laughs> like you have to, we're scratching them off, trying to figure out. Okay, now how does this work? Like, did we win? I don't think we did. Did we scratch off something we weren't? So I don't think I'd know if I won. <laughs> I could have won on those scratch offs. I might have gold sitting up. I think I still have them. There are a lot of stories out there about tickets that are sold, and they know where the ticket was sold, but they don't know who it was sold to, and the person just never claims the money. I mean, think about the missed opportunity. Seriously, this one was called like Mad Mad Dash Get Rich. And uh, it was like, if you got an X in square three, skip ahead to square seven. If you got a zero in square three, go back to square two, divide by three. <laughs> I mean, it's like crazy instruction. This is making me think of a uh, controversy in my neighborhood. Uh, I am plugged into my neighborhood primarily through a uh, Facebook group. <laughs> and uh, I'm mostly in it just for the drama. I'm going to be honest. It's usually like uh, lost cats, that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. A lot of times it's like fights about you know fireworks and lost dogs and stuff. But there was a deep controversy that took over uh, about a year ago because this car dealership put all of these like fake scratch-off things in mailboxes, like sending them out as flyers. And if you you know, scratched it off, it would say every time that you won like $1,000. You just had to come to the dealership to claim your $1,000. Well, then people started going to the dealership and being like, hey, I got, it says right here. Well, the people would be like, well, it's actually another thing that leads into a deal and you got, it yeah, became like this thing, car, you know. Thousand off well, people got so mad. Like they were like, we're, we're making a thread to try to find a lawyer to see if we can figure out how to get <laughs> the money that we're owed. Like they felt like they were owed the money because they <laughs> scratched this thing off. You give 
give people an inch, man. Well, Dave, at the time of this recording, at least, the richest person in the world is Elon Musk, who is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $237 billion. But for at least one moment in June of 2013, the richest person not only in the world, but in the entirety of world history was a man named Chris Reynolds, a 56-year-old Philadelphia PR man and eBay hobbyist who, due to an error on PayPal, was accidentally credited a very large amount of money somewhere north of 92 quadrillion dollars. <laughs> now, if I had to look up what a quadrillion was, and it is a number that designates a thousand million million. It's 15 zeros, and that's just one of them. We're talking about 92 of them. Now, PayPal quickly realized the mistake, and the bank error in Chris's favor was corrected in a few minutes, and subsequently made a donation to the charity of his choice to apologize for the error, but at least for a moment, Chris Reynolds became the richest person on the planet several million times over. So this got me wondering, Dave, what could you actually do with $92 quadrillion? It's such a large sum that it's pretty hard to get your head around, but let's give it a shot. Well, for starters, you could buy and sell every bank in the world, every treasury of every country in the world, all the gold, all the silver, and all of the oil. The national debt of the United States currently sits at $32 trillion, so you could comfortably pay that off 2,875 times over. You could buy every sports franchise, pay off every national debt of every country, and fund every societal system fully forever, including healthcare, education, housing, and energy. And so it begins to come into focus, Dave, that this amount of money is not possible. And had you introduced it actually into our world, you would collapse every societal system that exists. Our entire economic system is not designed to absorb such a number, and such a number would actually plunge the entire global economy into complete chaos. So really, those two minutes that Chris Reynolds was worth $92 quadrillion, well, those were actually a terrifying two minutes more than anything else, if you think about it. Being accidentally the richest man in the world, well, it may just be too much power for one person, Dave. Even dividing the sum among every person equally on Earth would mean that every person would get over $11 million. And just imagine the inflation that would come from that. So maybe the dream just has to be just that, just a dream. Well, you look at the list of the richest people in the world. And as you said, Jay, as of this recording, Elon Musk still sits at number one, around $232 billion. And a lot of these names, they're either names you've never heard of that are hard to pronounce, or they're names like Warren Buffett, Larry Page, Bill Gates, names that, that a lot of us know. But you get down into like the 20s and the 30s. And once again, most of these names you can't pronounce. And then you find just kind of a random funny name at 37, Ken Griffin. That just doesn't sound like a rich man's name, Ken Griffin. Now, Ken would be insulted by that since he's the chief executive of Citadel, a hedge fund with $59 billion in assets. I mean, he has the power to change it if he wants to. (laughs) What's another first name? I feel like Jay is not a rich man's name. Like, if your name's Jay, you're just probably (laughs) middle of the road. Well, it seems weirdly like a personal shot against me in some way. All right, Jay, what's something that perhaps you have wasted money on? 
I mean, I feel like I waste money on things all the time, not intentionally, but like <laughs> I have three children in my house that always think that the latest toy that they want is the life changing thing that's going to, they're going to play with every single minute of every day and then you buy it and they don't. So it's like, you feel like you've wasted money when it's going to the donation bin in a few months or whatever, cause it doesn't get played with. Yeah. Well, I would say that all of us waste money in, in one way or another. Uh, for me, I mean, there are countless examples of times where I have wasted money, usually not huge amounts, but two of them kind of stick out uh, above the others. One, uh, when I had my first like big boy job. So in high school, I'm actually making, you know, some decent money getting like seven and a quarter an hour. I, uh, I saved up, and I decided I was going to get an Xbox 360. Now, the Xbox 360 around this time was about $350, I believe, was how much it retailed for. Yeah. But I decided that I wanted to also get a Sam's Club membership because it, I had money now. So why wouldn't I buy a Sam's Club membership? Because people, you know, you can't get in Sam's Club unless you have a membership. <laughs> so I went in Sam's Club to get the membership card, knowing that I'm not, I'm a teenager. I'm not going to buy anything in Sam's Club. And then I bought the Xbox 360 from Sam's Club, even though it was more expensive, just because I was in the club. Yeah, you were just there to flex. Yeah, huge waste. <laughs> so I don't know what was the bigger waste, the Xbox, which I only played a few times, and it red-ringed and stopped working, or the Sam's Club membership, which I think I only used to go in there and get ICs. Uh, the <laughs> next example of wasted money would be in high school. I bought something that uh, is uh, frowned upon and laughed upon by men of our age, but I bought a promise ring for my girlfriend. <laughs> so a promise ring, if you've never heard of one, is basically like... It's an engagement ring It's light. an engagement ring for an engagement ring. So it's basically saying, like, yes, I really like you i'm not getting engaged to you this means nothing but i would think about it so i bought yeah. it and it was uh, returned to me uh about six months later it sounds like uh, you're not very good at keeping promises now that uh, that relationship didn't, work didn't really work out i said she could keep it <laughs> uh, that was probably the saddest scene ever just you could keep the ring i mean i know we're not together but you can still have it <laughs> uh, but jay another thing that uh, really just felt like a waste of money to me from the beginning was something called non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. Uh, Jay, do you have any? No. I mean, I, I don't think of myself as like some kind of financial genius, but even just being the common man that I am, when I saw the NFT movement happening and people who thought they were a lot smarter than everybody else saying, all of you idiots are going to get left behind in the dust as we buy these, I had the discernment. <laughs> being the average man that I am to say that's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever seen and you're all going to lose a ton of money. Well, to start, let's define what an NFT is. I think Forbes describes it the best. An NFT is generally built using the same kind of programming as cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Ethereum. But that's where the similarity ends. Physical money and cryptocurrencies are called fungible, meaning they can be traded or exchanged for one another. An NFT is something that cannot, non-fungible token. So basically, Jay, and we've talked about NFTs a little bit before on the show, an NFT is like buying a rendering or a digital picture of something, which then gives you, I guess theoretically, ownership of that image. And as predicted by me, you, and many others, the NFT market has come crashing down in 2023. And I think there's no better example of this than a specific NFT purchased in 2021. In 2021, crypto entrepreneur Sina Estavi made national headlines when he purchased an image of the first tweet ever produced by Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey for $2.9 million dollars. 
The tweet posted on March 21st, 2006, Jay, it simply read, just setting up my Twitter. (laughs) At the time, the purchase price of the tweet was tied into its uniqueness and association with a social media giant like Twitter. Well, Jay, just two short years later, so now in 2023, the value of all NFTs, including the Jack Dorsey one, have taken a dive. In fact, according to reporting by CryptoSlate.com, the NFT marketplace OpenSea currently lists the highest bid for that NFT, okay, the Jack Dorsey tweet, you ready for this? At three dollars and seventy-seven cents, <laughs> it's. I expected yes. you to say like sixty thousand dollars, which would still be like a huge <laughs> loss. But like three dollars is is like unbelievable. Uh, yes. Just over three dollars for an NFT originally purchased at nearly three million dollars. Estavi has actually been trying to resell the NFTJ since two thousand and twenty-two, but obviously with no success. He even promised to donate half of the sale of his original list price, okay, which was a merely $48 million, to charity if it sold. But the highest bid that came in at that time in 2022 was $280, and the highest <laughs> buy-it-now offer was 6800 Should have taken that. With crypto in general suffering a lot of volatility in the recent months, the NFT sector of crypto has perhaps suffered the worst. Activity on bid sites has been down, and leading marketplace sites like CryptoPunks or Bored Apes have reported a decline by nearly 70% in prices since the peak level of NFT sales. I think former SEC official John Reek Stark speaks for all of us, Jay, when he told CryptoSlate, and I quote, a fractionalized link to a JPEG of a bored ape with funny glasses and a colorful hat is not a sound investment. Sensible means of commerce or prudent pathway to live out the financial dream, and neither is the NFT of a tweet, no matter who the author is. Now, this headline is from earlier this month. Uh, Justin Bieber's bored ape NFT has lost 95% of its value. So Justin Bieber bought one of these at $1.3 million. And today, it's only Shoot. worth about $60,000. So the Biebs not making great investments. I think we've referenced this clip on this show before, but if you ever want to just see like how lifeless the NFT movement was and how you could just tell from so far off that it was going nowhere, look up a clip on Jimmy uh, Fallon of Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton talking about the NFTs that they had purchased. And you could tell like the whole thing was just completely trying to like drum it up. And, but like neither one of them thought it was a good idea, but they were trying to pretend and it was so just like dead and like devoid of like any positivity. <laughs> you just watch that. And you're like, yeah, there's, this is going nowhere. <laughs> Dave, you and I are both children of the 90s, and uh, we both grew up playing video games and things like that, and these were consoles that were coming out for the first time during that time. Uh, Were you into Nintendo and Mario and things like that? Yeah, I remember uh, Christmas, whatever year it was, 94 maybe, um, I opened uh, my Christmas present from my grandma, Super Nintendo, with Super Mario World. And uh, as the story goes, I ran around the house screaming for about 30 seconds to a minute. (laughs) Isn't that what you want every kid to do when you give them the gift? You were like, 
that ah! viral video of that kid that got the Nintendo 64 and sounds like he's possessed by the devil exactly. or whatever. That's what, now, that's a little too far. That's a little much. <laughs> well, Dave, we're going to talk about the origins of Mario and how the character of Mario got his likeness. Uh, to understand Mario's origins, we have to go back to the early 1980s when Nintendo was on the cusp of revolutionizing the gaming industry. The company's pretty talented team, led by the visionary designer Shigeru Miyamoto sought to create a new arcade game. However, they faced a crucial challenge. They needed a compelling and relatable main character to lead this new game. So this is where the man named Mario Segale enters the picture. Mario Segale was an American real estate developer of Italian descent, and he happened to be the landlord for the warehouse that Nintendo was renting in Washington State. Now, during the warehouse rental period, Nintendo faced some difficulties with the lease, and a frustrated Mario Segale confronted the team about it. So this seemingly ordinary confrontation would go on to leave an indelible mark on the world of video games. Shigeru Miyamoto and his team found themselves in need of a name for their newly created character. As the story goes, Mario Segale's fiery personality and mustache bore a striking resemblance to the character that they ended up developing. The name Mario was thus bestowed upon the character, and it would be the beginning of this legendary journey. Mario Segale's influence, however, extended beyond just the name. The character's design was also inspired by his appearance. Mario's signature mustache and hat were inspired by Segale's distinctive features, allowing for an easy recognition in the game's low-resolution graphics. So the Donkey Kong game that first featured Mario was a massive hit, and it laid the foundation for Mario's future as the face of Nintendo. His popularity soared to new heights with the release of Super Mario Brothers for the NES in 1985. This groundbreaking game catapulted Mario into the hearts of gamers worldwide. Throughout the years, the character has evolved and adapted, but the core essence of Mario, inspired by Mario Segali's personality, remained intact. I mean, the character has defined the entire industry and is more popular today than ever. I mean, the Mario movie that came out just this year is the only film to gross over a billion dollars at the worldwide box office so far this year. It's just fascinating to me that this character is based on a real person. Now, Segale sadly passed away in 2018, and while he never received any royalty money for his likeness inspiring Mario, he did just fine building a multi-million dollar real estate and construction empire that he sold in 1998 for a whopping $60 million. But I know, at least for me, every time I see the character now, I'll think about this very real man behind it. Three things. Uh, So Segale, later in life, didn't have the mustache. What are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, there are very few pictures of him on the internet. He was extremely private. Like, you, <laughs> there's like two total pictures of him in well, existence. Well, I found three of them, <laughs> and two of them he doesn't have the mustache. So get out of here with that. Number two, he wasn't even a plumber. He wasn't a plumber. Yeah, so they just, not just a pulled that out of, out of their rears. And number three, <laughs> this one's the most controversial to me, because out of all, this is an opportunity. This is called a missed opportunity. In 2015, for some reason, Miyamoto, who uh, created Mario, uh, he was given the chance to tee up a last name for Mario and his brother Luigi. And up until this point, apparently he had always said they do not have a last name. Well, in 2015, he said, you know what? They do have a last name. Their last (laughs) name is Mario. So we've got Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Out of all, he could have said anything. He could have said Hill or Williams or anything 
<laughs> Mario when I was Mario. watching Get out of here. The, I'm glad you said that because when I was watching the Mario movie with my kids, I had like a 20 minute thought tangent because I was like, wait a minute. This movie is called the Super Mario Brothers and they keep calling them the Super Mario Brothers in the movie, but his name is Mario. So like, why would they call them the Super Mario Brothers? You know what I mean? Like if you had a brother, they wouldn't call you guys the Super Dave Brothers, you know? Yeah. But now that you've told me that, I guess it makes complete sense. Yeah. Mario, Mario. (laughs) And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. <laughs> what about Jay Rockefeller? I mean, you know, he comes to mind. Senator slash, I mean, he's not alive anymore. I don't know. Well, exactly. Uh, before I start the next one, I'm gonna make a note real quick. You might want to at the end of that first segment, you might want to pop out that thing about Jay Rockefeller because I just looked it up and he is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's like 87. He's he's knocking on the door, but he's not there yet. <laughs> you killed him. You killed him. You did the unforgivable sin in podcast. I was sitting here. I was like halfway, him. halfway through uh, <laughs> while you were while you were talking. I was like, "Is he?" I don't think I ever saw anything about him dying. And then I went and googled it, and I was like, "Nope, that dude is still trucking." <laughs>